Next up on Talk Zone is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Are you concerned about your job? Concerned about losing it? Concerned about not having the tools needed to reinvent your career or to reposition yourself in the workplace? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, or even if you just want to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, then join the conversation right now on Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Now, here are your hosts, Charlie and Eva. Welcome, everyone, to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. I'm Charlie. And I'm Eva. Hope everyone is doing well, waiting for spring, which it's coming soon, right? Well, here it is, but everywhere else it's not. I mean, you know, us being in southern Ohio, we get a little spoiled, even though we think we're not. Man, spoiled. I'll tell you. Well, you know, um, today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about stress. Mm. This kind of adds to the stress. Yeah, weather can add to the stress. But I think people are just stressed in general. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're stressed. I'm stressed. Yeah, don't you think? Um, yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, I like when we go to, like, stress down Fridays. Stress down. <laughs> um, you got a million of them. Okay, so anybody, Cincinnati area, email us, ctradioinfo at gmail.com. We want to connect. Yeah, that would be great. We are doing a lot. We're workshopping. We're reaching out to small business owners and executives. We're making a difference. So join us and we'll do it together. It's perfect. Um, okay, so whew, today we're going to talk a little bit about stress. See, I think you're stressed right now. Well, I'm not. <laughs> Just a little stressed. Just a little stressed. <laughs> <laughs> um, stress is a very... Um, I don't know, overused word? No, I don't think it is overused. I think people are really stressed out, but I think we make ourselves stressed out. And we're going to look at it a little differently with Dr. Tiffany today, but it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, uh, I have a theory, right? Sometimes mm. um, it depends on where we are in the entitlement chain. As long as we have someone below us, they can get the brunt of our stress, and our angst. Maybe that's a little harsh to say. Um, but we'll see how uh, Dr. Tiffany applies that to pets when we get into that conversation a little yeah. bit later. Okay. You're looking at me like um, you don't agree. Um, I don't totally agree. I think that everybody's stressed regardless of where they are in the chain. I don't think you have to look at where we are in the hierarchy of life. Okay. Well, that's good. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to be wrong on that if, <laughs> if I am. Right. So anyway, the mission of Corporate Talk is to use our collaborative powers to leave no stone unturned and to simply make a difference. Even as one person. Even as one person. Right. Our model is shared leadership. Um, we're proud of our content. We also are proud that we have met at least 99% of our guests. Right. And um, we have a great one today. We're going to uh, go a little, not off topic, but a little to the side. And we're going to discuss pets with um, Dr. Tiffany Margolin, our very special guest. Dr. Tiffany, are you with us? I am. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, excellent. Hi, Dr. Tiffany. Um, no, we have a lot to talk about today. Um, first, I want to say 
we did meet in New York, and it was a pleasure meeting you. And um, maybe share your contact information with our listeners right off the bat. Wow, how kind of you. That would be great. My contact information is the simplest way is drtiffany.com. That's drtiffany.com. You can also go to fromtheheartvet.com because that's where I come from is from the heart. So it's fromtheheartvet.com. Either one of those gets you to me. Excellent. And, you know, it's funny, right? Not funny, but we love that because we're all about shared leadership. uh, And my acronym is CARE, which is uh, a shared leadership model, Courage to Take Action Relevant to Everyone. It's from the heart. Mm -hmm. And, And it's how to be your authentic self. That's right. Right. Exactly. And I used to have a license plate that said caring vet in order to constantly be with me and remind me of my mission and my purpose. Oh, that's terrific. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Yeah. That's good. Um, you know, uh, I'm a former pet owner. Right. Um, and I get it. I've never, you know, pets are just 100 percent loyal, it seems like to me, um, at least in the dog that was part of my family. So um, I do get it. But, you know, we want to talk about stress. Um, and we want to talk about, there was something that we discussed when we met about how right. your pet's stress can actually right. get you to change your habits. Right. right? I love them as and a- I, Well, before we even get started on that, Dr. Tiffany, I was just wondering, like, how can we even tell when our pet is stressed? Okay, that's a great question. So that's something that I teach in my clinics when I speak to people and when I have them across from me in exam rooms, is teaching them how to note what looks like what is stress in their pets. Um, people complain about separation anxiety. They complain about something that seems like aggression or nippiness. Uh, they'll they'll talk about changes in eating patterns, um, maybe like shrinking behavior, or they they just can't socialize their pet. And this is, these are all signs of stress in a pet. And sometimes people can pinpoint what that cause might be in our investigation. And I always tell people, you know, I'm not just a veterinarian. I tend to be a family counselor, right? Because mm. we're, we're, no pets come in carrying a wallet on their little collars. You know, they always come in with a human <laughs> counterpart, right? And those humans imbue the animal with most of their problems. Thank you very much. And it's funny because Eckhart Tolle says, you know, if you want to observe um, pathology or um, a neurotic behavior. Don't look at wild animals. Look at domestic animals because they get that stuff from us. So when you start to see a behavior problem that you want to complain about or the animals peeing outside of the litter box or inappropriately and all the medical causes have been handled, then those are signs of stress. So that's the first thing to note is that is stress in your pet. Oh, that's terrific. You know, because there are... There are so many times, it's like when we would watch Caesar Milan, right? You know, we'd watch Caesar Milan, and you could just immediately say, well, it's the owner. Yeah. You can see it when you stand back, right? When you see the picture, you're not one of those people. You can right. actually see it. But when you're one of, even myself as a pet owner, and I'm a veterinarian, but, you know, the cobbler's kid's shoes, blah, blah. I mean, my <laughs> own pets get the last observation from me, right? I mean, you still are able to evaluate them, but it's much easier when you're backed up and you're looking at the family dynamic. So it's it seems like stress is species independent, and uh, stress symptoms are species independent. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. And I'd also like to say that stress is sort of a big catch-all, and we want to drill down a little bit when we talk about that. We always have to look at 
some people think that their pet is stressed when they're actually in pain. You know, we mm-hmm. have dogs that have cervical or neck pain, and they, you know, they think, oh, the dog's snappy, he's being grumpy. And I'm like, well, if you touch him here, he's, he's not comfortable here. So we want to teach people as well how, how some of that stuff is discomfort, and they're trying to message you the best way they know how, you know. It's a different kind of stress, right? It's it, you know, it's, it's a very unique yeah. thing to say. So we're sitting home in the living room, and I'm just studying my pet to see basically how I'm doing. Mm, right, mm-hmm. and maybe perfect. I'm bringing that toxicity home, perfect. and right, and the pet is bearing the brunt. Right. So oh, here's yeah. a way to learn from your pet. If you're if you're if you're noticing your pet is starting to have those behaviors or shrink away or change in their demeanor, and you notice that you've been going through a dynamic maybe in a relationship where you're fighting in front of the kids, you know, in front of your pet, or you're you're coming home stressed from work and you're snapping at the dog or the cat, you know, um, you can stop yourself, identify some of those behaviors, and realize, you know, the impact is something like it would be on a child. It's traumatic for the animal. And you can shift it. I like the idea that you make your pet your partner in this. So instead of just saying, well, I'm going to just, you know, muscle myself out of doing these behaviors but still carry around all my stress, instead let's use our pet as our stress-release partner and, you know, talk about the things that can reduce stress in us through that. Like, number one, there are studies that show just petting the animal, just stroking across that animal's back or head can start to trigger that touch response in us. And even though we're not the ones being petted per se, we, we will have a reduction in blood pressure that's measurable, okay? Mm. And also it calms your brain down when you do those types of things. Um, in addition, you can use your pet as you know, your dog at least, as a fitness partner and decide that when you come home to let off some steam, the best thing for both of you would just be to take a walk right after your work is over and before you even want to talk to your spouse, you know, maybe create a little space there. Take a walk. Walking always resets your stress level. We all know that. None of us do enough of it. And morning and evening walks are even better for both of you for losing some weight if you need to. Also, um, they've shown that People that have suffered from heart attacks have a much better recovery and less recurrent rate uh, when they use their pet as a therapy partner, whether it's, like I said, the, the uh, walking partner, the exercise partner, the, the fact that they need to get home sooner. They, the quicker they get out of the hospital, the better they do. And so all of these things factor in to letting your pet become your therapy partner. Uh, my horse is my absolute therapy partner. He's amazing. He's like a person with <laughs> with big ears and fur, you know. So yeah, it, it's. I remember now why we were so excited about Dr. Tiffany mm-hmm. after speaking with her for a few <laughs> minutes. Right? It's just you know, there's so many areas of expertise and ownership on how to help us, and you know, in the yeah. home, outside the home. Uh, I love the idea of partnering. With the pet, so you right. can co-monitor. Right, co-monitor. Um, I like that. So, little signal, yeah. Yeah, no, this is great. Um, we're just starting. We have to take our first break. We want to learn more about your background, and we want to learn more about how we can handle and help our pets with stress. So please stay with us. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and our very special guest, Dr. Tiffany Margolin. We'll be right back.
And now, let's return to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Welcome back, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and our guest today is Dr. Tiffany Margolin. She is a, I kind of think of you as a holistic vet, Dr. Tiffany, because you really take a much different approach to veterinary services. I know that you are a vet, but then you also, I was looking at your site, you also um, have acupuncture services for animals as well. And I'm just wondering, like when you originally became a vet, a veterinarian, did you um, think that you were going to go into the acupuncture realm as well? Or did you really notice that the animals were helping their owners with their stress? Or was that something that came a little bit later? I, I actually appreciate that so much. Um, one thing that happened after I became a veterinarian I was from a very Western medical family, and my father was a skeptic and a medic in the, in the service, and my sister and my aunt were both Western medical human doctors, okay? Mm-hmm. And so, no, absolutely not. However, my mom was always interested in nutrition and vitamins, and, and she was always sneaking us a lot of healthy foods and raw milk. <laughs> and <laughs> what happened as we got a little older, while I appreciated that and its benefit, I didn't have it incorporated into practice. But my sister became ill with ovarian cancer, very aggressive ovarian. And that cancer was treated by my other sister, who is an oncologist. Um, and while the cancer remi- went into remission, and it actually did pretty well, her body underwent some serious changes in stress. And she began this process at 110 pounds. So um, what happened was she really needed support, and we were really concerned about the effects of the chemo and, and eventually the radiation. So she and I both sought some natural ways to keep her healthy and found acupuncturists and nutritionists and um, some beyond that uh, practitioners of homeopathy. And so I actually started to investigate those modalities, and they were really successful with her and with some problems that I was having. And so what ultimately happened was I thought, well, why why am I limiting this to humans, and why can't I bring this into practice? Uh, So I began to investigate what I could learn, and I learned acupuncture, chiropractic, nutritional, functional nutrition is outstanding, and really it's imperative for like anybody to know about how nutrition affects them, because it's creating so many issues in this country, and it's very correctable. So I went into all that, and, and it became a really big helper in my practice, and then a lot of people are drawn to it, especially in California. Uh, but really, everywhere in the country, people are beginning to appreciate natural treatments because they see what drugs do to the body. And so everybody wants to eventually get away from that drug or maybe not go on it at all. Um, so, yeah, it's been a, an amazing journey. And the animals and the people are so much happier uh, being treated this way. So. Well, and it's you, I remember um, years ago, a friend of mine is a Reiki master, and she had two cats. And I would go for Reiki treatments, which at that time I really didn't understand what Reiki was. It was it was a while ago. It was a long time ago, like in the 90s, and not that many people were actually doing it. Mm-hmm. But I would go, and I remember that she would have to put the cats in another room because as soon as I started getting those treatments, those cats wanted to be all over that table. And right. then she would let the cats back in the room, and especially the one would just lay in my lap and just suck up the energy. So <laughs> with something like Reiki which really no one's even laying hands on you. Um, 
but there's definitely an exchange of energy and you can see it in the animals. You can see how the animals react to it. And so I think it's great that you were able to incorporate that into your practice and that people were receptive to it. Because I would think at first when it comes to acupuncture, um, unless you've had acupuncture, I think that people would have a tough time allowing their animals to get acupuncture or how do you how do you even get the animal to lay still to have <laughs> it done question. well first of all the <laughs> first part of that is i everybody who's a western trained vet and learns acupuncture leaves there going well how am i going to get my client to accept this how do i not sound woo woo how do i mm-hmm. sound like i'm credible and how do i get them to also feel like this is an option and so what you do is you typically begin this with cases that just aren't going well and that's mm. the best way to get in. You know, you're again, whenever you're talking to people, you're speaking to their pain, right? And their pet's pain is their pain, right? So right. you want to make sure that you understand that we've got some options here and that maybe the animal already is on medications and they're not doing well or they're losing function. So it's a great time to introduce this. Because now, ideally, would I like to do this more preventatively? Yes. And in some people, uh, in some animals, I'm able to get the message through that this athletic animal will be much better, and they won't come to the vet for expensive therapies if I'm allowed to put the needles in them when they're they're still in their athletic years, like us, you know. But again, I was kind of an acupuncture wimp myself, and I had to see it in the animals before I would allow the needles into me. <laughs> it was kind of a funny turnaround. <laughs> they say no. about pets that, or holistic that we experiment on animals to give people medications in Western medicine, but we experiment on people to treat the animals in holistic medicine. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. That is funny. And I think it's funny too with, um, with you at first being a little bit touchy about having acupuncture even done on yourself. I remember when I first went, um, and again, it was a lot of years ago and I, I still go currently, but um, when I first went, I thought, oh, I wonder how this is going to work. But, Boy, within it's it's always that first needle, and then once the first needle's in, you're like, oh, okay, this is going to be no issue at all, and you're okay with it. Um, so I think it's great that you first learned about the modalities when it came to helping with your sister, and now you realize, well, why wouldn't this work with the animals? And it's a great way to introduce both not just the animals, but then the animals' owners to all these different modalities as well when they can see how well the animals react to it, I would think. Well, and that's another great um, comment because I bridged back to people after that, and I thought, well, here are these clients now asking me, well, will this work for me, or what what about my problem with my elbow, et cetera? And so that's what I try to impress upon people is that um, holistic natural medicine does not discriminate between pets and people. Uh, medicine is medicine across the board, and even in acupuncture, they transpose spots, so they say, oh, this spot is from the human model, goes here on the horse, etc. We've even done acupuncture with birds and reptiles, believe it or not. And so um, the, the great thing about animals is they don't have those mental blocks that we do. So when they respond, they respond, and if they aren't going to respond, they don't. But typically the response, like you said, is kind of profound, mm-hmm. and they do sit quite still. Uh, most dogs, once they're just being lightly restrained by their owner or petted or scratched. I like the scratching on the chest thing. That's my favorite. Um, most dogs really have no issue with the needles, and, and they make them tired just like it makes us. It's really nice. So within about 10 minutes, my dogs are stretched out asleep. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> the best part. Some of them are like us. They have a little bit of a, an issue in the beginning. Sometimes if you've got a chihuahua, 
you might want to use laser therapy, which is another uh, thing that I do. It's called cold laser therapy. And so it uses light on acupuncture points instead of using uh, needles. Oh, I've never even heard of that. That it's sounds really cool. From sports medicine. Everything comes from really, I think a lot of it is tested on athletes because that's such a vast arena of injuries and, and trying to get the, functional, the functionality back right away. So this type of therapy, these therapies have usually originated in, in athletes and then they go to horse racing and the athletic horses and then they move to people, believe it or not. So when you trained as an acupuncturist, did you just train as a straight acupuncturist or is there actually acupuncture for animals and you train as an animal acupuncturist? Right, you get to train as an animal acupuncturist. The great part about that is you're, you're a veterinarian already and you're trained by veterinarians who have... I had the, one of my professors was a dyed-in-the-wool, old-fashioned, you know, cow vet who would never... You couldn't imagine the guy with the needle in his hand other than for a shot. And he uh, completely converted, went to the other side. And now he said he leads with holistic medicine. Uh, his cows that, you know, some of these breeding and milking cows that sometimes go down in the field from mineral changes like magnesium and such and calcium, he gets them up quicker than anybody because he uses the acupuncture with his treatment. And so he's, a, he's not only a believer, but all of his farmers, they get acupuncture in their cows. You know, so I think it's great. So it's an animal program. So it's a program for veterinarians. I think that's really cool. So so are the meridians in an animal? I guess the meridians then would be different in an animal than they would be on a human body. No, they're the same. That's what I was explaining. They do transpose oh. a lot. The meridians going are going to have, let's say on a snake, right? You're not going to have them go down any arms or legs. Right. <laughs> so you'll have some differences definitely and some missing ones. But certainly, uh, when you look at dogs, cats, and horses, you're looking at domestic animals, four-legged and two-legged. You're going to see the same meridians, absolutely. Oh, I think that's I think that's really interesting. And what would what would a snake need it for? Um, you know what's great about the reptiles is a lot of times they have issues with, believe it or not, their spine because that's kind of their whole body, and mm. they have issues with gastrointestinal function because they're not being housed properly. They're kind of dehydrated in California, most specifically. They lose a lot of uh, humidity to the air. And so their gut slows down or they get, you know, changes in their spine earlier in life because their, their mobility is limited by their caging and such. And they respond incredibly well to that with acupuncture. You only need to do like one session, maybe two, and they'll get motility, which is movement back in their gut. They'll, they'll start moving their back and their legs better. They have legs like a lizard. So, yeah, you can't do it on so much on the tortoises. Now, believe it or not, tortoises can receive acupuncture in the most powerful sites you can find, which are their hands and feet, essentially. So they can receive acupuncture, just not on their spine. I just think it's amazing that, first of all, you know when a snake is having an issue, right? I mean, I would think that I, I guess would think I snakes are probably the most um, often uh, – Poorly treated. Yeah, pets. yeah, poorly I would agree with that. But, I mean, we don't know, right? I mean, I've never held a snake, but it just seems like it would be tougher to know when a snake was having a problem. Yes, but, I would say you guys are right, yes. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> because Definitely. I have to use my intuitive powers, too. But, you know, we have ways, and the longer you do this, the better you get at it, right? Just like anything. Well, that's, um, that was actually going to be my next comment, is that 
you must be really, really intuitive to see like, oh, this poor little snake is having an issue. He could use some <laughs> acupuncture, right? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Some things are very obvious, but certainly when the snake doesn't have like those lumps on it, you can you can start to tell by the way animals move. And I've noticed my chiropractor friends really watch people move, and I've begun to learn from them as well. You can see how animals and humans, how they're standing how they're shifting, how they're leaning, their weight, where it is, even for abdominal pain. Um, it's very interesting how much, you know, we've abandoned in Western medicine the, all these observations that were key to practicing medicine a long time ago. And I think that's a lost art, something that really needs to be resurrected, and it is being resurrected by the holistic practitioners. I have no doubt that if you took one look at me, you'd be <laughs> like, oh, we... <laughs> <laughs> we need we'll some acupuncture. <laughs> you know, we all have that. You, know, you talk about, um, it's funny, I just wanted to bring up, when you talk about stress, and we talked about some additional uh, markers in animals for stress. And one thing I forgot to mention that we, we want to make really clear, because it's a big problem, is your pet's allergies are also made worse by stress. So, so many pets have allergies around the U.S., and, and there is scratching their skin, and then they're causing stress to the humans because they're losing sleep and they're staying up when they don't want to, which is usually why the animal comes in, by the way, is the human stress in the household. But allergies are exacerbated by stress. So that's another thing that can tell you that your pet is stressed. And the other thing is that allergies in your pet can, un, can basically kind of uncover the fact that your house or your yard may have allergens in it for you, like if you're suffering. So just want to remind people about that as well. Oh, I think that's really interesting. We're about to take our second break, but let's talk about that a little bit more when we come back from the break. Um, stay tuned, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and our guest today is Dr. Tiffany Margolin, and we'll be right back. Charlie Labosco is an author, speaker, and trainer with over 40 years' experience in the corporate workplace. Contact Charlie today to interact, influence, and inspire others in your organization. Whether it's a one-hour keynote presentation or a five-day training seminar, Charlie is available to speak on many topics, including making a difference in the workplace, even as one person, building shared leadership teams, and his signature award-winning seminar, Care Certification in the Workplace. Charlie speaking at your organization will make a difference on day one. For more information and to book Charlie, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Let's get back to Charlie and Eva for more corporate talk on Talk Zone. Welcome back, everyone. This is our third segment with Dr. Tiffany Margolin, and we're learning so much. You know, we want to talk about so many different things. I know. I just love listening to this because I'm getting smarter. Um, so we were talking before the break about allergies, but I was just thinking, um, Dr. Tiffany, are other vets on board? Do we have to be careful when we take our pet to a vet? Because they could mislead us if they're just, uh, treating a symptom, right? Well, nobody intentionally misleads people so we want to we want to think about you know most veterinarians have taken the oath to do as much good as possible but as you are learning uh, integrative medicine and natural medicine is an additional 
art that is laid on top typically of uh, Western training. And so most of us who haven't trained that way don't have the information. Now, do a lot of them have information about allergies? Yes, now we do. Do they have information about the nutritional link to allergies? That's a really big split because I find that um, while some veterinarians understand the link between food and allergies in animals and humans, they don't understand how best to approach the treatment. They may, they may be misled themselves by companies that have made certain types of dog or cat food and said this is hypoallergenic, some that sell directly to vets that explain that they, they're definitely tested. And, but I'm more of a critical thinker, and I have to look at those ingredients. I've certified in integrative nutrition in humans, and I look at all of the types of ingredients that can aggravate people and in, aggravate animals. So even if something is in the food that's good, I want to see is there anything else in the food that could counteract that. So when you do go to a vet, it's best to at least know they've had some integrative training so that they would come from the standpoint that you're looking for, if that's what you're looking for. You know, after listening to Dr. Tiffany, I would be inclined to say, well, um, Dr. Vet, we're having some issues at home. We're both, we're working late. We're not uh, cooking properly. We're not communicating properly. Um, is there anything I can do? You know, could it be related to that now? I would be, I would be asking those questions now. If I'm, if I'm a listener and I have pets, take it into the vet, right? Mm-hmm. Because, right. Uh, we could really, these right. poor guys, I mean, you know, they have enough stress to worry about, like the weather for a pet, <laughs> right? Oh, gosh, um, so much of the weather. And I'm just going to say I'm pretty blessed out here where I am. So, I can't complain. I, I hate to say that because I know the rest of the country is buried right now, but you know, the worst we're getting is some rain, and it's making everything green in California. <laughs> we just came out of a long drought. So well, isn't that always the big joke that Californians complain about, you know, when they get the occasional rain shower? Um, but... <laughs> no, are you kidding? I'm not one of those. I'm happy as a clam, but... <laughs> you know, again, I, I like the holistic, you know, the, the earth being fed as well as our pets and, and ourselves. We all need. But one thing we want to remember when we're talking about these pets and these humans is, is something called bio-individuality. And that means that every animal and every human is individual. And so you don't want to go with blanket, again, blanket applications of anything. You want to consult with someone who you trust and get a specific program for yourself or your pet, not not just go with the general. That's why going online is nice for general education, but trying to treat yourself or give this thing to your pet based on an online general statement about it isn't a good idea. Interesting. That's a good point. Um, and by the way, it's drtiffany.com. That's D-R-T-I-F-F-A-N-Y.com, correct? Correct. Correct. That's a, and I'm building a new site behind that, but that's one of them. And fromtheheartvet.com. So fromtheheartvet.com. I mean, go there. Go there right now. <laughs> um, uh, we want. And if a dog is listening, you know, <laughs> yeah, bob yeah. the mouse. And <laughs> hey, we want better food to look forward to. <laughs> yeah, we want to talk um, in a minute about some of your uh, services, but if you know, as a vet, is that is that your main practice? Are you um, are you meeting local pet owners? Well, I do both. I mean, I, I interact with uh, local pet owners as well as I speak uh, to the subject of nutrition in pets and people. I'm actually a speaker, just like you, 
and I, I provide education on a larger level to a, like a larger group so that they can use it themselves nutritionally and also use it for their pets. So I do both. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I can see that. And thank you because we need you. So that's a good thank thing. You. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, need, um, we all need that, don't we? We need to remind ourselves too. <laughs> yep. How, how do we know what to feed a pet though, right? It's kind of complicated these days. Great, great question. So, so again, going into the subject of bio-individuality, what we want to first look at is the huge epidemic of allergies in pets and people and realize that this is environmental and that this is food additive related. This isn't um, by chance. So because of that, most animals and people are having sensitivity issues. And so now we look at the common culprits in our pets. The most common proteins that cause that in a pet are right now is a chicken, chicken, actual chicken in this country, because we've got such a preponderance of chicken in all the foods. So even if the pet has a reaction to something else, it's exposed to chicken at the same time, or if it was ill, it's exposed to the chicken in its food. Most, most dogs and cats have some sensitivity to chicken. Not really? every one of them, but a lot of them. Um, so that is one allergen that I tend to move away from. We have lots of options now. People can pick for their dogs. They can pick uh, bison and venison. Grass-fed beef is a great alternative to standard production beef that has more omega fatty acids in it. And um, even like white fish and salmon are great. And any of these things can be made for your pet if you really want to spoil them and you don't want to use a food, you can use the real thing. Um, For kitty cats, they're very sensitive to fish. So a lot of cats, people think, well, fish is a natural diet. But first, first of all, cats are land predators, right? So they're not really fishing. They're eating mice. But mouse in a can didn't go over very well for people that wanted to, to give them the correct diet. So a lot of fish is used in cat foods because it's very tempting for cats, but it's really sensitizing. Most cats don't tolerate it very well. And people, wow. think, that they're, yeah, people think they're vomiting hairballs when they're really vomiting from the aggravated gut, from the, from the stuff that's in the food. What so a I, miss, right? <laughs> yeah, when... yeah, we're starting to educate people. It is a miss, and it's, but it's an easy fix if we, if we remember this. The fix, again, all these pet food companies that are more holistic-minded, they're getting on the bandwagon and they're providing, like, venison, you know, the things that the big cats hunt, the little cats can eat. Venison, um, with cats, you can give them the grass-fed beef, typically. Some cats have sensitivity, but most are fine. Uh, I like, um, believe it or not, for, even for the bunny lovers out there, because I love bunnies too, but rabbit, um, rabbit-based foods for cats uh, are very hypoallergenic, typically. And again, you want to avoid grains in both dogs and cats because they're really not grain eaters naturally. And, and it, between you and me and everybody out there, I don't believe that humans are much of a grain eater. I think most grains aggravate us as well. But um, for sure, our dogs and cats react to grain in many different ways, and they they really not intended to eat grain. So it's best to stay away from any type of grain, even if it's quinoa, you know. Jeez. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, when you said about cats, well, you know, they don't fish, right? I mean, right, it just... It's, it's like, duh. <laughs> exactly. What a scam. Like, duh. And I love the, you know, you can't really put mouse in a can. So, <laughs> although <laughs> well, the cat might be uh, like, hmm, that would be okay. They tried to do that, but I guess the consumers didn't like the name. <laughs> but it's sort of like <laughs> us with gluten or wheat or corn, right? It's the same type of thing. It's in many different food yeah, products. Yeah, we're gluten-free, but it's because of me. And and now we're moving away from corn because once I went gluten free and we've been gluten free for going on a year and a half now, like really gluten free. How's that going for you? Yeah, and it's it going was good. Going really well. It made so a big I'm difference. Um, yeah, but then I noticed that when we were going, 
when we originally went gluten-free, I noticed that I was really sensitive to corn. Right. And I didn't know that before. And all of a sudden, you know, we would have some tortillas or something, and I'd be like, ah, you know, I don't feel that great. Well, then I realized, oh, it's corn, too, and even corn syrup. So, um, and I can see where it would affect pets I never realized that in pet food, you know, chicken is a common byproduct. Yeah, I know, right? I didn't think of that either. Like on the front, you'll see, it'll see salmon, you know, taste of the wild or whatever, salmon, and then you'll flip it over, and I'm not saying taste it because I think taste of the wild is a good food, but like some foods will be... You know, salmon on the front and then chicken meal somewhere in the ingredient list. And I just tell people, it's not that it's a big culprit. It's just going to aggravate your pet in particular because they may have an allergy. So you have to eliminate that for your pet. Um, And speaking to the idea of gluten, again, there's a few gluten-free grains, but most grains, and corn is a big aggravator anyway for various and multiple reasons. The first and foremost is the way that corn is grown in this country. Again, you eat foods from another country, you don't get the same reactions. It has to do with the production of our food, and that's what people forget. It's not like, oh, this is a bad food, this is just a terrible food. No, it's, it's the way that it's made in the country that we're in. That's all. So we have yeah. to be aware of that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a, huge, um, that's a huge issue because even with the way chickens are raised in this country sure. and, exactly. you know, meats are raised in this country, and you're right. I mean, when I would go to Europe, I would find that I was eating like crazy drinking like crazy, and <laughs> losing weight and feeling great. Uh, feeling um, great. Yeah. It's just, an, it's, I wish it was different, but it, it is why I counsel people in both pet and human nutrition arenas, you know, because mm-hmm. ah, we have to be the smart consumers now. And, and uh, you know, my friend, she her dog was allergic to chicken, the food, but she was preparing uh, organic chicken that was, I think, pasture-raised for her, for her dog. This dog lived to 21 years old. So she was... There's a difference there as well between yeah. how you are making and and what is the source of the chicken. So, you know, yeah. what's interesting is uh, we recently had a guest on, Carol Phillips, who we loved, right? Mm-hmm. She was a very good nutritionist talk, telling us about ingredients and so on. It's the exact same conversation with Dr. Tiffany, not <laughs> only to benefit us again, but now this, you know, uncharted market of let's take it to the pets, Right. Well, you know, you see it a lot, though, right? You see, like, the athletic people out in the park running, and their dog looks really good. You know, the dog is nice and lean and stuff. And then you see, like, other people walking around. They look so unhealthy. And the poor dog, yeah. you know, they feed them from the table, and the poor dog looks the same. You know, everybody's That's looking mopey. <laughs> so it just makes sense. Yes. And, and you know, it's true that, that when people – and you've got households, of course, that have limited incomes or cha- – so I just go with, let's look at the healthy foods. Your dog can eat greens, and they're not expensive, rather than eating corn and, and rice, you know. So, again, it just has to, it's a change in mentality and the approach. And they even say that eating a fruit, with eating more fruits and vegetables with pesticides is better than not eating fruits and vegetables at all. So the, the benefit of the fruit and vegetable matter is going to outweigh the residues if you cannot afford organic, you see. so. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we have about a minute before our next break, um, and I waited until now to get the strength up, right? Because um, I had a pet that I think about every day. I, I miss um, Lacey so much. So tell us, Dr. Tiffany, about um, your book um, in a maybe 30 seconds or less, and then we can continue discussing it and how to get it after the break. Okay, 
Well, you know, this was actually a shift for us. So uh, I, I, I am writing a smaller version of that, which is a pamphlet, and it's, very, it's going to be very easy, and it's going to be easy for pet owners because they need to understand the process of losing their pets, what to expect when they've got an older pet, and what to expect in their emotions, and then how to handle that, how to best help the pet transition most peacefully, and then what they need to ask their veterinarian and what other helping people can be around them as well as their vet at, these, at this time of need. Yeah, I think that is such a, a, a very heartfelt, just like your website mm-hmm. and license plate. Um, I think it's great. You know, we once, uh, we're going to take a break in a second, but I just want to share. We once met someone in L.A. at a seminar who wrote a book about losing his pet. Oh, that's right. And it was very difficult for him to even talk about it. Right. Right. So um, uh, this is a, we're very grateful to have you do this for us. But Mm -hmm. please stay with us. We'll talk about it some more when we come back. We're going to take our final break. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie Eva and our very special guest, Dr. Tiffany Margolin. Stay with us. Let Charlie Labosco show you how to revolutionize your presence in the workplace. Charlie is looking to improve the workplace, and by that he means your relevance in it. Charlie has over 40 years in the corporate workplace. He has seen the unbelievable, mind-boggling, off-the-charts changes in technology, but no real change in our day-to-day and sometimes toxic workplace behavior. Charlie's mission is to revolutionize the workplace by providing the training and the tools needed to lead any organization regardless of your job description. For more about Charlie and how to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, visit charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Welcome back to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Okay, guys, we have about 10 more minutes. Uh, we're talking with Dr. Tiffany Margolin. Uh, how, what would we say? A pet expert? Pet uh, care? Um, <laughs> well, she's so much more. I know. I mean, where, where do you even than begin? A um, so... But before the break, we were talking about, um, I guess you call it crossing over or transitioning. And this is about um, the final days or times of a pet. Is that, am I saying that right? Right. right. And, we, you know, really those of us with older pets also have to face these ideas and these thoughts. It's kind of like facing your own mortality. Um, somebody, like a bereavement counselor, brought up the term anticipatory bereavement, which is kind of new to me. And But I realized we're all going through it when we have an older pet. It's anticipating the loss of that pet, that friend, and knowing it's inevitably coming and just how it's coming is the big question and the challenge, you know, and the sadness. Yes, it's almost like they know, right, I bet, as well, and uh, we're all confused about it. Right, and but. so I try to help people you know, as much as possible, become unconfused and support them through. It's, a, it's going to be a process that really begins before the pet crosses over. But right. what I've found is really a great help is to, to offer people uh, to help their pet over at home rather than having them bring them into a vet clinic with a cold sterile table and all of that. So uh, that's one, one thing that I really recommend and that I offer myself. And, and I'm also, you know, writing about it on, on 
the Goodbye My Angel website, which is a pet one, uh, pet loss one. And there's the book we were talking about, the, the pamphlet, the Goodbye My Angel, you know, just helping people understand how to, what questions they even need to ask, how, how to tell when it's time, and how to tell when my pet is ready. Maybe when it's time for one animal, it's not time for another. Because animals are like people. Some of them are more stubborn and, and stronger constitution than others. Right, and like you mentioned before, the one pet was 21 years old. Right? Yeah, we had an amazing experience with this large dog that was 21 before it, and it wasn't suffering from degenerative disease. It was just ready, but um, that's, a, that's sort of a miracle, and, and there was no reason to think that she needed to go sooner because she didn't. So, Jeez. Wow, how would you know if they're just ready? I guess they're just older. Is that what you mean? Well, you know, I actually put aside my skepticism because I had my own struggle with my dog, and as as educated and intuitive as I am, when you're too close to it, you just can't do it. Mm-hmm. And I have a friend who is a very good animal communicator. She honed her skill. She she trained in it. It wasn't just, you know, I think I can hear the animals, but she was really good at it. She found lost pets for people, and she wasn't kooky. She was a very straightforward, grounded person. And so I said to her, how, how am I going to know? Because I, I look at her, I know she's close, but I don't know which day is going to be the day where she really doesn't want to be here anymore. And she told me, you know, she's going to give you a look. So she was explaining that to me. But she broadened my horizons by saying uh, some pets will, they just don't want to get up anymore. You know, I've seen some animals that stop getting up. Some animals start to urinate or defecate, and they don't like that experience of where they are laying. And people think, well, because the animal's still eating, they're okay. But they lose their dignity, and they don't like losing it any more than we do. And they're not attached to their life the way we are. They're not attached to their body so when they're not happy anymore, when their their eyes look sad or they look like they just don't enjoy life anymore, it's really okay to make the decision. I think we need to let people off the hook, you know. There's so much guilt around it. Well, I think that's really interesting about getting the look and that they lose their dignity as well and they're just done. And I really like what you said about that they don't, they don't have the need to hang on to their life like we do. So it's really us us trying to make them hang on when they're really ready. It's us that, is, you know, we're not really ready. We're, we're the ones not really we're ready. We're not ready. And, and the thing that, you know, the other thing she enlightened me on is that the pet, and we have to remember this, pets have a purpose for us. They are really here. When they're in our lives, they really care and worry about us. And especially these dogs that come into our lives, they, they always need a job. And you always know if you start to think about that, you'll look at your dog and you'll realize what their job is. They're either the entertainer, they're the clown, they're the caretaker, they're the guardian of the house. The glue, the, the glue that holds everybody together. <laughs> yeah, they are, you can, you start to see these dogs and you're going, oh my gosh, now I know what this, my dog's job is, because they pick it. But they, when it's time for them to go, they definitely need reassurance that you're going to be okay. And um, she enlightened me on that. I, I thought that was so strange sounding, but then I realized it made complete sense that if they're not attached to life the way we are, what's holding them? And it's usually their bond to us and that they know you're grieving and you they don't like to leave when you're sad. And so it's important that we somehow reassure them, even if it's verbally, that, you know, we're sad but we're going to be okay because they're there to protect us. That's what they came here for. So, What would you say that... Um what Lacey was. Lacey, right. Lacey was, like I mentioned, the glue, right? Because um, no matter how stressful we were, 
Lacey would be that energetic entertainer that would She'd wiggle into your yeah I get I can picture her it's funny um, just wiggling her way into charming you all together again <laughs> I tell a quick story and I'll take tell it in thirty seconds um, my daughter had also brought in some cats from the street that we uh, cared for and the cat would I never realized how smart cats were mm-hmm. in my life yeah the cat would come to my bed in the morning and tap me in the head when yep. they wanted to eat. Yep. And if I ignored the cat, the second tap would be a little stronger. Yep. <laughs> and if I still ignored the cat, the third thing the cat would do would go after the dog because the cat knew that would get me up. <laughs> <laughs> well, Unbelievable. Well, you know, they have, it's, it's funny. We think that we train our pets. The pets completely train us. It's pretty funny. And, um, you know, my cat, just bringing that up because it was so funny, I have one cat, and that's all you need to get you up in the morning because if I if he taps me and I don't want him to do that or I don't want him in the room, all he'll do is he'll put a paw under the door and bang the whole door to the bedroom. <laughs> there is no way in heck that you're going to ignore that cat when he wants to. Um, I know, it's unbelievable. I never realized how smart cats were. They are. <laughs> Why do you think they have nine lives? <laughs> um, Eat it. Can you please share your website again for us? Okay. So my... so. I'll share drtiffany.com because that is where people can find me and contact me and go from there. Um, and then also uh, fromtheheartvet.com. It's called fromtheheartvet.com, and that does have the home services as well and helping your pet transition. Excellent, because we're going to be uh, selling uh, or getting that out for the mm-hmm. next few days because everybody needs to go there. No, well, it's terrific. And where can they get the book on Amazon? Or off your well, website. The book is being finished still, yeah. So when it's ready, we'll be up on the website, exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, got you. Okay. Um, no, you know, uh, everything basically that I learned today about pets really applies to me as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and now you know that Lacey was so much smarter than you, but you knew Lacey was smart. <laughs> well, then you go home and apply some nutritional tips and get rid of your high-production chicken. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, you know, uh, it was... Really an honor to have met you last year, and we know now why we were so excited to have you, because a couple of months had gone by. I think uh, your story, your past, your background is really heartfelt, um, and you you. bring a lot to the table, and we're just so grateful to have met you. Well, I really appreciate that, and I'm I'm honored to be your guest, and I, I appreciate you as well. Thank you. Excellent. Yeah, so thank you so much, Dr. Tiffany. It was great having you on today. We really learned a lot, and I've never even have had have had a pet, and I learned a lot. So that's saying <laughs> well, a now lot. You'll learn to take care of yourself. <laughs> take care. Have a great day. You too. Bye bye. Thanks. I can be your pet. Oh, okay. Let's <laughs> let's um, not go there. <laughs> this show was fantastic. Dr. Tiffany is by far very unique, but the real deal for sure. No, I just love the whole holistic approach to caring for your pet. I think it's really interesting, and I think it's great. And and I never even thought about that, that there was acupuncture for animals. Unbelievable. Right? I mean, Lacey could have used a little acupuncture. Uh, Would have been great. Yeah, I learned so much. Uh, Yeah, no, it's been terrific. So, um, everyone, you will be able to get the replay 24-7 on TalkZone.com, and we're looking forward to next week. Yes. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you guys next week. Have a great week. Good night.